Well, we have uh, an extraordinarily wonderful opportunity tonight to, uh, for many of you to be introduced to Andre and Marianne Rabe. And uh, Vicky and I had a chance to get to know them a little bit. We, we actually encountered one another, met at uh, the conference this last weekend up in Denver. And I was sitting behind them, and I just started getting this overwhelming urge because we hadn't met yet. And, uh, you know, you should, you should ask them to come down because I knew they were going to be down here in the Springs for the weekend, and I thought if there's a possibility that they have Friday open. And they were so absolutely, you guys were just the most gracious people accepting that invitation from someone you didn't have any idea about. And uh, anyway, I just, I don't know what, what to say. When I was sending out texts this week, one of the things I said is they're Joylanders without knowing it. And what I meant by that, and I, I really stand by that, what I meant by that is they are pioneers in creating a culture where people can ask questions and of course, that means that for right now, I have to turn the red light on. Otherwise, he won't get a you won't get a word in edgeways. I guarantee. The first point you hit, it'll be up. But we're going to have a Q and A session. Not just that question, but the idea of of uh, breaking out of the, the the containing structures that have been imposed on us, so that we've imposed on ourselves in Scripture. Opening your heart up, not being afraid, um, being willing to Take a second look at a scripture. Let let that interpretation expand a little bit. I just think you guys are going to be in for a treat, and I think you'll agree with me after it's all over that that these guys are part of our family in the spirit, even before we got a chance to know them. I have a question. Okay, step up. <laughs> Those that know me don't have a surprise that I have a question. <laughs> at the beginning, I wasn't sure if I was going to have a question, but I've got a bunch now. Um, but I want to start it. My name is Ronnie. Hi. Hi, Ronnie. Thank you for coming here. That's it's right. Um, while your wife was singing, uh, someone interrupted with the cell phone and it said somebody had added to their story on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty appropriate. Yeah. Facebook's all, I don't really like Facebook, but it's all the relationships and things uh -huh. that are defining a story. So yeah. Facebook may not actually be that wrong, yeah. <laughs> adding to the story. Okay, so I have a few questions, but I'll start with just one. And then later. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, there's frequent discussion, or at least in my experience, my story with mm -hmm. God has been the, like, what is God's will for me? Yeah. Earlier on in my Christian life, that was, a, yes. that was the thing for yes. me. And uh, God's plan for me. How does that work versus trusting God, trusting me with my own story? Yeah. I love the idea that you said that God wants to enjoy the journey of... You didn't say this. I wrote it down. Yeah. Yeah. God wants to enjoy the journey of open possibilities with yeah. me. Yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. So how do you justify or how do you yeah. deal with what appears to be a contradiction? Yes. Either how we've learned it or how it appears yes. to come across of God's will, God's good and perfect will yeah. for yeah. me mm -hmm. versus this open the open possibilities. That's a good question. Uh, and I'm sure many of you have been at the place where you sought God's will concerning a certain matter, and the answer came just so easy. Have you ever been there? You might have prayed about the situation and said, you know, is it left or right? And whoops, you just knew. You know, there was just such a sense, it's this way. This is my direction and will for you. And then there's been other times. <laughs> and I've been surprised that there were times where there, it was massive decisions, like life-altering direction decisions and I'm asking the Lord which way and he just seems to be quiet and I pray a bit more maybe add a bit of fasting do do something you know to persuade him a bit <laughs> to talk to me to get to confess all your sin and ask again <laughs> and it's just quiet I remember 
maybe one of the most significant decisions I made like that. After weeks of struggling and thinking, I just became desperate. And, and I just shouted out in, in my room, well, I don't care whether this is your will or not. I'm going to do this. And in that moment of making the decision, I was suddenly overwhelmed with God's embrace. And it made me mad. <laughs> so I said, where the hell were you a minute ago? When I needed to have an answer, where I needed to have that support, where were you then? And it was just this overwhelming embrace of, you needed to make this decision to know that I trust you. And sometimes I think the silence is God's way of saying, I trust you. The silence is that, that moment in which he says, I want you to grow up and make this decision yourself. You know, there's a time with our kids where we are much more involved in their decisions. And there's a time where we withdraw. And that withdrawing is not because we love them less. It's because we trust them more. And so I think in that, there was a time in my life where I, you know, I want God to tell me what color shirt to wear today, what tie to wear today. <laughs> Eventually he says, I'm your father, not your mother. Wear whatever shirt you want. <laughs> you know, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> but um, there's an aspect, and there's an aspect in which God is my mother as well. Okay, so let's just make that clear. <laughs> um, I think ultimately your life is God's will. <laughs> and he delights in the, the creativity that he's deposited in you. Yeah, thank you. That's another question. There's um, a lot of times in my life I've always prayed that, okay, God, is this something you want me to do? Is, and I've come to the place where I've kind of put that aside, and I just um, uh, feel like if I want to, if this is what feels good to me, then I think this is what God wants me to do, and I do it. Mm. And I get kind of irritated with some people say, "Well, I need to pray about that first. Yeah. And I go, "Well, so what are you going to? What is it? What is the process that you're going to be praying about?" Mm. Uh, I just feel like. Um, if it's a desire in your life, then I think that's that's part of the journey. Yeah. And um, uh, anyway, uh, just this whole thing about praying about something, whether I should do it or not. What is your uh, what is your suggestion? <laughs> Beautiful. And I think what you touched on that that aspect where we start to discern our own desires. And you, kind of, you can kind of trust that you know when you want something just because you want it for selfish reasons. And, and when there's a desire, it's just, that's the way I am. I, I, I'm passionate about this. And so I think much of the development in ourselves is to come to that place where we can trust our desires. And... Uh, yeah, that, that might mean I don't have to go through a specific ritual of prayer because there is an aspect of continually praying that even in this conversation and in this process of desires being stirred, I don't exclude God from that. I believe he gives me the desires of my heart. Yeah, yeah. very nice, very good. So as I've been thinking about the relationship between certainty and faith, the, the false relationship. Mm -hmm. I have been looking back on my life and going, most of the times that I have felt like I was struggling with or to get faith, mm -hmm. I was actually struggling to try to move towards certainty. Mm -hmm. So when you abandon certainty as the goal of faith, yeah. which I can make a choice to do. Mm. And I believe it's true. I mean, it's resonating what you're saying, you know. Yeah. Uh, e even just the fact that certainty and faith are almost opposites because 
why would you need faith if you're certain? Yeah. What's the process like? Or, or how did how did you or how do you think we would approach faith differently mm. if certainty wasn't the objective? Yes. So good. So let's let's make it real in terms of praying for the sick. There we go. That'd be perfect. Uh, and. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I at, the, at the age of 11, I was introduced to the Word of Faith movement, and I couldn't even speak English at that time, but I bought all the, and got, loaned all the CDs I got, and cassette tapes, and learned it off by heart, and I was excited about the fact that God can still do stuff, and if I just do certain stuff, then God does certain stuff. And so there was something beautiful in that whole movement. Um, that was helpful, but later on it became very obvious that people like myself and others involved in it became presumptuous rather than faithful. It wasn't the, the faith of God on display. It was a competition of who can be more certain and more accurate in their convictions and in their words and more bold in their actions um, and that becomes very unattractive so the and we've seen some amazing healings um, as we've ministered all over Africa and here in the States and everywhere what people struggle with I think mostly is that they might pray for somebody they get healed awesome they run to the next person. We actually had a friend that was so excited about the first person he prayed for at the hospital who got healed. He ran into the next room and there was a guy with bandages around his head. And he said, can we pray for you? God's going to heal you. He said, yes. And prayed and ripped the bandages off. And he says, can you see now? And he says, yes, I can, but my nose is still broken. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... We, I think we can all remember that initial excitement of God does things when we pray. And then we hit the first person who doesn't get healed when we pray. And we start examining ourselves and them. Who, had, who lacked the faith, you know? Do I lack faith? Did they lack? And eventually, something that has helped me a lot is that when I approach a person who wants prayer for their healing. Of course, I'm listening to what Papa's saying in this situation. But ultimately, I know that faith is an openness to the possibility mm. of healing. And I know no matter what condition you're in, healing is a possibility. It's a beautiful possibility. And I don't try and sell it to them as a certainty. <laughs> I just speak about the God for whom all things are possible. This God who loves them. And your healing is possible. And so what I think what happens in that attitude then is the very prayer, the very action, the very um, point of contact is something that makes that possibility more likely that healing becomes more likely when there's an openness to this God of possibility. Mm. Of course, there's a whole lot more than, that can be said about that. And I don't exclude you know, the, the, the fact that in that openness to possibility, it can create a beautiful boldness, mm -hmm. but there's always a humility about it. There's almost always a sense of <laughs> together with God, we are influencing people and situations towards the beauty and the love and the goodness that he wants for us. But we are never in control. And I think that's also something that happened in the faith movement, that if I can just perfect these principles I have I'm in control of the process that guarantees results <laughs> whereas now I'm much more open to God what do you want to do in this situation I'm here to 
participate, to be part of this process and to influence it in the direction that you want to take it. And sometimes it manifests in beautiful healings. Other times it manifests in another form of healing or further questioning to say, where are we going from here? Mm -hmm. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, Hello, Andre. I'm Hi. Tim. Hi, Tim. Uh, I want to thank you and Marianne for your ministry tonight. It was wonderful. Thank you. Uh, just a quick question for you. I think it's a quick question. Uh, <laughs> regarding God's plan, what yes. part do we play yes. in knowing God's plan for us? And the second part of that, can those plans change? Yes. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe let me do it Give another picture. Sorry for the cameraman. But uh, maybe what I could say is God, I believe, has goals. He wants to draw us towards a place of greater love, greater unity, greater consciousness, greater gentleness, all the fruits of the Spirit. Mm -hmm is what I believe he draws the whole of the cosmos towards. The way in which our cosmos continues to develop into, and on earth we see greater complexity, greater consciousness emerging. It's, it's God is drawing us towards that place of greater unity. Father, I pray that they may all be one, even as we are one. How we get there is where I think he gives such extravagant freedom. And, and so, for instance, um, when we make plans to come and tour the, the States for a few months, sometimes things go wrong. I remember one, one of our tour plans, it was actually for, from the States to Brazil, and everything went wrong. I mean, flights were cancelled. Then we had to go to other place. Another flight cancelled. Staying a night over. Then we arrived in Brazil, and the people that were supposed to pick us up aren't there because they left the previous day already. <laughs> and then I try and get onto the internet, and I don't speak a word of um, port uh, Portuguese. Uh, 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 and so the whole plan was messed up. But the tour ended up being amazing. Mm. We kind of still reached the goal. So I think there is this overall drawing, and whether we call that a plan, we could. I just want to give that impression that if we look at real life, it seems like God has a very wide space for how we get there. Mm -hmm. uh, and even if I do a completely wrong move, in what we would traditionally have said is out of his will or out of his plan, I think is the one that's right there opening up new possibilities to say, now step in this direction. <laughs> now step in this direction. Okay. And I might step away again, and he'll draw me back. And eventually when we look back, that whole cricket road is part of my story. Mm. And it's been redeemed. <laughs> and it's been made meaningful and beautiful. And we can see that even though God did not determine the wrong steps. He did redeem it and make it beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That was, that was really good. Thanks. Come, yeah. Um, I, I just also just thought of and loved the, the whole idea that God is more interested in relationship than in manipulation and control. And that passage where we have so often quoted as um, you, will, you will desire what you, you will um, ask what you desire and it will be Big given to you, to. that yeah. passage. If you look at the original, the tenses in the original, it's actually you will desire, then you will ask, and then it will be created for you. And I think that is so beautiful because... Yeah. It's kind of if we get it right and we sink into that place where we begin to commune with our Abba who desires relationship more than anything yeah. 
And when we sink into that relationship, desire begins to be churned within us. And as desire is churned within us, we ask, Papa, what about this? And then he's just, come on, let's create it together. Let's create the story together. Mm. And I just think that's so beautiful about the character of God, that that relationship is just yeah. number one. That's beautiful. Thank you. I remember with our son, to give an example of that, when we first started touring the U.S., he just finished college and he loved photography. And we knew that the, his next step was to get better equipment to actually be able to produce what was something that could earn him an income. Um, but I didn't want to enforce on him that next step in his career. I wanted it to be his desire. And I remember at one stage, he sold all the equipment he had um, and somebody gave him a camera and he sold that as well and he still didn't, he was still missing a hundred dollars or so before he could afford to buy the equipment that was really what he needed. And at that stage he, he came and said, can you help? And it was my absolute delight. I've been wanting him to get better equipment and help him progress his career, but I didn't want to take the initiative. I wanted him to desire it, to ask for it, and then to do it. Because somehow, he, you just value things more if a desire comes from you. And I think that's what's happening in our relationship with Papa. He knows the best path. and what, what the, He can foresee, but he wants it to be your desire strong enough to actually ask for it. And he's just waiting for it to say, yes, I gave you that desire and I want to fulfill that desire. Yeah, hey. <laughs> Going back to certitude. Mm. Um, you know, I, I am certain that God is love. Mm. And I am certain that God loves me. Yes. But in what you were saying tonight, if I'm certain that God loves me, I feel like I could actually put a box around that, mm. that he has to respond to me a certain way, speak to me a certain way, love me a certain way, let me have my way a certain way. Yeah. So if, if I'm certain that God is love and I'm certain that God loves me, how do we keep ourselves from staying open to the possibility of God loving us in a different way. Come to Burning Man. Come to Burning Man. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? Because I think I we can do. box everything Absolutely. in with God, but if we don't allow the possibility of God to get either bigger, wider, deeper, yes. stronger in his revelation of love towards us, I don't... And I think it's the nuanced way in which we have used those words. So okay. certainty does imply that I am in control or I have a grip on well, this uh, concept. Yeah, that, yeah. That, and especially concerning the love of God, I understand how we can say, I'm certain God is good, God loves me. But if we delve a little bit deeper, our certainty has n is not in control of the love of God right. or the goodness of God. And that's where it becomes just a boringly predictable, dogmatic certainty. That yeah. in my conviction that God loves me, I am still open that he can love me in ways that I've never imagined. Never imagined, yeah. That he is good in ways that I, I have not processed Fathomed yet. And, yeah. and so maybe, maybe a word that I'm starting to prefer which is a biblical word as well, is the word assurance. Okay. Um, because assurance come to me, comes to me from another. Yeah. <laughs> Where certainty is something I generate within myself. Which, yeah. That's good. And so I love what, what Paul says in Galatians, that uh, the life I now live, I live by the faithfulness of Christ by the faith of Christ, that, mm -hmm. that not even faith is this thing that I generate within myself, 
but it is a relationship in which I behold the faithfulness of God to continually surprise me. So, so I can say I am convinced about the love of God. I'm completely mm -hmm. sure. I know God is love, and I know that I do not know all about his love. Right. Right. <laughs> but what I know about his love and his goodness is beautiful, but it's not complete. Okay. Yeah. Good. Thanks. <laughs> Just, there's no place in what you're talking about for been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. <laughs> there needs to be the openness is yes, what you're saying. Absolutely. Assurance leaves room for that openness, yeah. whereas certainty is generated from us yeah. and closes the door to reconsidering. Yes. Is that right? Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Andre, I'm thinking about a lot of, I'm thinking about a number of contrasts. And if life in God is more like a playground than a tightrope, I love embracing that thought. <laughs> Where would you, with your experience, define or place purpose as we speak about it? Uh, yes. Mm. I would... Are you, do you want to continue a bit further? No. No. <laughs> I would probably say it's it's the broadness or the narrowness of purpose that is redefined by a God of possibility. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between I purpose my one-year-old son to be a dentist or I purpose for him to be happy and healthy and a well-adjusted individual. Now, that's my purpose for his life, and that leaves a lot of room for him to make his own choices. Sure. Whereas my purpose is you're going to be whatever career that narrows it down. And so maybe again within much of the Christian community, the way in which we understood plan and purpose and these things have been very narrow. And, um, and have left us with people who continually live with hesitation and regret. Uh, like I've missed it and am I going to miss it again and can I really and I think the gospel is this amazing invitation for you to live fully boldly you are loved just go into all the world <laughs> um, and I will be with you so I think it's the, the when we get into what is purpose, it will be the narrowness or the broadness of that purpose. It will be redefined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Let me make a little uh, announcement. We're going to go ahead and, and uh, postpone or reschedule our Ascension meeting till next week. So we've got time for these two questions, and I want to reiterate to those of you on Zoom, if you have a question, unmute. And at a, at a gap, just yell it out. But uh, Sonny and, and Ronnie, you guys go ahead and finish up. And uh, we'll see what, what happens with anybody on Zoom. But no worries about waiting for the ascension and stuff tonight. This is very important. Thanks, Sonny. Hey, Andre. Hi. Uh, it's a pretty beautiful mess we're in, huh? <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, I was just trying to process through what is my drive for purpose and... You know, it vacillates between this inner desire and this weird thing about not understanding the love of God and facing him someday mm. and, know, and thinking he's going to say, you know, you, you kind of blew it. Mm. You know, there's, there's a fear aspect to our life sometimes that yes. I don't think we've identified and, mm. and we're not planted in the love of God. But, uh, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like you feel behind like you're you're going somewhere and you're always catching up and you mm. have a time limit to get there mm. and uh, so can you kind of i don't know really what my question is but that fear aspect yes. that yes. kind of knock that thing down a little mm. bit 
and put our purpose back into relationship. Yeah, thank you. Such an important question, Sunny, and so many people are at that place where, where we live out of a sense of lack, out of a sense of unfulfillment, out of a sense of uh, that breeds fear, that breeds I am not enough. That is, to a large extent, the story of humanity. And what was captured in Genesis 2 and 3 is that in every person's development, it's not just the historic story, that story is the story of every person. And in every person's development, there is a whispering voice that says, you lack being. You are not what you're supposed to be. You are not like God. But if you only partake of this fruit, it will make you more. So that experience of lack and fear, I believe, is the very experience and the very story that Jesus comes to invert. Because what that gave birth to is people that continually grasp after stuff that promises to fulfill them, to make them more like God. But Jesus comes and he empties himself into human form and he does not consider equality with God something to be grasped after. This is the exact inverse story. Instead of an inferior man trying to become like God, God comes to reveal the true story, which is God sees such beauty and value in your life that he becomes human. <laughs> that the goal of this story is not for you to perform and become good enough to be acceptable to God, but that Jesus came to reveal that you are so amazing, that your very existence is the Word of God becoming flesh. And so the gospel is this gloriously good news that despite your story up to this moment, despite your experience up to now, the truth is... Your very existence is proof that you are loved, that you are accepted, that you are embraced right here, right now, if you achieve nothing for the rest of your life. Jesus on the cross allows humanity to sink to our deepest, darkest evil. And in the act of rejecting him and murdering him, it is in that moment that he chooses to reveal his complete and utter acceptance of us. At the moment where we least deserve his love, he says, Father, forgive them. Not because they've realized how wrong they are and they've repented just right and they've been... No, Father, just forgive them because... They don't know what they're doing. And so the gospel, I think, is first and foremost this amazing declaration that when we at our worst, when we were sinners, that's when God embraced us to himself, accepted us, so that the life we continue to live is not out of that sense of lack or fear of a future judgment, but out of the gratitude that despite everything, I am loved, accepted, and embraced right here, right now. And that is what enables me to make the right decisions going forward. There is no judgment to come that will contradict the judgment that was made by Jesus on that cross. And his judgment was that he loves you that he adores you, that he approves you. That's his judgment. <laughs> you can run into that judgment because that judgment is good news. It's good news. Awesome.
Hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Isaac Newton. Hi, Isaac. Uh, <laughs> Good to meet uh, you. I've uh, read a lot about you. <laughs> yeah, I'm about 600 years old. So. <laughs> um, it's uh, it, just, it is so amazing that it, uh, what you just mentioned uh, it's opened up so many new avenues of uh, dealing with things that happen in our lives in the future yes. in terms of the faith. Mm. And the faith says is a certainty of things we hope for, the assurance of uh, evidence of things not seen. Yeah. Um, the, the struggle that has been, when the Lord saved me 40 years ago in 1978, mm. the first thing that we came to uh, think about or talk about or always uh, plan about is what can I do mm. for the Lord? Mm. You know, in terms of purpose, the will the created will for our lives as to what God wants me to do yes. to accomplish something for his glory, for his kingdom. Mm. And um, so the, the constant pressure was, Lord, what is that, as you said, that one, two, three steps that yeah. will take me into fulfilling that will, that purpose for my life. Yeah. And now fast forward 40 years later, now, I've done not much things for a lot, <laughs> not too many things, but um, I lost everything in life, and, I, and as an engineer with master's in mechanical engineering, I thought I should be making a lot of money, Now I'm in the backside of a mountain like Moses hiding in, in a Bible school, mm. and uh, one of the things that I've learned, I'm learning, I've learned over the past year is that I think that what Marianne sang about the song, and she explained that when you delight yourself, you know, in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. The thing that I've learned is that the time that you spend in drawing closer, understanding that, as you said, the love of God, that intimacy with Him, then He puts that desires in our heart. Mm -hmm. When you delight yourself in God, He gives you the desires that you need to have, mm. which will be in accordance to His purpose for creating you to do something on this earth. Exactly. Yeah. But it's not the other way around where you try to do something because you want to earn His love or be loved by Him. Yes. And the, the difference between being, mm. you know, which is basically the time of enjoying his love, he says, you know, Papa, you know, I just want to sit in your lap. I'm so tired, I'm beat. I don't know what to do. Just hold me, Lord. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask you anything. I don't want to talk anything. I just want you to hold me in your arms. Yeah. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, you get a desire in your heart, you know, why don't you make this movie about this thing in your life? And again, God says, um, I'll open this door, I'll open this door. And it literally happened to me you know, in this last over the last couple of days, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And just driving back from Tennessee, and, and the Lord said, "Just go take this exit." And as I went there, and go to this museum, went to the museum, and I was, uh, there I find that this gentleman has made a movie, and and then as just walking around the museum, the, he was not there, the man who started it. As I was waiting, then he comes in. And then he comes and talks to me, and we discuss this idea for a movie, and I said, oh, that's so awesome. That's, you know, as a confirmation, yeah. as, a, as a one who's making movies, he I told the story in about half an hour. Yeah. And then he says, that'll be great, and he gives me his perspectives. So what I'm saying is, when you enjoy that time of knowing and just loving and being with him, that the desires that he gives mm. will be a part of fulfilling his purpose of the doing that he wants us to accomplish, Beautiful. which will make difference in, a, in millions, billions of people's lives. You articulated so. it so well, my friend. Beautiful. It, that's exactly what we're trying to say. But Papa is so involved in us and stirring our desires. Yes. It's me again. Yeah. Hey. <laughs>
So um, I love the idea that some of the stuff is messing with our stuff. Yeah. The, the ideas. Um, and to some degree, it's messing with the comfort yeah. that I currently receive from God. Yeah. In the sense that I know myself that I'm pretty clueless about what the future leads. Yeah. But there seemed to be a level of confidence or comfort that God knows that. Yes. So this is all preamble to the question, how the hell could he be surprised? <laughs> In other words, yes. how could the idea, I mean, I love the idea that he could be surprised if surprise brings joy. Mm. But the concept that God can be surprised yeah. seems pretty contradictory to the idea that there is this God who knows everything. Yes. He knows the end from the beginning. Yeah. And, this and that's is the, script, scripturally the way it seems to be written. Yes. And so I'm wondering how do you reconcile those ideas yes. and yet still, if you need it, gain comfort from knowing yeah. that God can be surprised about stuff. I don't know. I'm so glad this is stirring up questions. It should stir up many questions. Yeah. It should. Um, Sorry if by saying how the hell can he be surprised no, is offensive to anyone watching this, but sorry. So I guess it's again the difference between God knows the end from the beginning, but we've put in and everything in between. We've left no room for surprise between the beginning and the end. So when we decided we're going to travel to Brazil... We knew we were going to get there. And when all these surprises happened in between, but took us on a journey to places that we never planned for, but we still got where we promised the people we would be. <laughs> and that's the faithfulness of God. And that's what, in what we can rest. God is faithful to say, as Paul says, in the end... Every knee bows, every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord and God will be all in all. That's the end. In, and, I, and we have God's assurance that that is guaranteed. How we get there, this space in between you, is wide. <laughs> And it is open, and it's an invitation for us to participate with God, getting there. So a quick comment, because this theologically, this has got many beautiful implications. The book, Creative Chaos, I think you would love that. Okay. It delves into that idea much more. Um, the idea of omniscience, God knows everything. I can still maintain that by saying God knows everything that can be known. <laughs> and together with that is God knows that certain things are undetermined. <laughs> he knows that. He knows that he's going to put in front of you possibilities. And because it's not certainties, but truly possibilities, um, he knows where the different possibilities might lead. I mean, I've got no doubt that God has got foresight and insight into our, our lives way beyond what I can imagine. Yet the freedom he gives us is genuine freedom. <laughs> if the choices I make is already known and certain for God, then it's not really my choice. Then it's just a setup in which I am deceived to think that I am part of a story. But actually, God's already determined the whole thing. So right there, you might be messing with God's sovereignty versus man's free will. Yes, so again, the, all the <laughs> ideas of sovereignty, is his sovereignty control? Or is his sovereignty, I know the conclusion. <laughs> and I am so confident in my love 
to draw you and your ability to participate in the story, but sovereignly knows this is where we end up. But all the stuff in between, he can give the freedom. Maybe I can give another example. We don't often associate... Um, Or let me just say, what's the difference between a micromanager and a great leader? Have you ever worked for a micromanager? (laughs) Person wants to know, what did you do in those two minutes? How did you do it? And why didn't you ask me how to do it better? It's not not fun to work for a micromanager. (laughs) And we don't often associate great leadership with micromanagers. Uh, and I think sometimes our idea of God's sovereignty and who God is has been micromanagement. A God that's in control of every decision, how you do it, when you do it. But I think God is more like a great leader. Great leaders are the guy, kind of guys who gives you more freedom than what you think you are ready for. They give you more responsibility than what you want. <laughs> They say, okay, you just go. I've got your back. Do it. Find out how to do it. <laughs> and uh, draw up your own schedule. And, you know, we, we, we know where we're heading, and I trust you to work in that same direction. I think God's more like a great leader than a micromanager. I think he's more like that kind of... And the great leader can still be sovereign in a... I think a more powerful way than the micromanager. You see that? I think I've got a great title for another book for you. Yeah. The Stuff in Between. Ah, I love it. <laughs> Beautiful. So I'm normally terrible with this, but tonight I'm going to remember <laughs> to make you aware that there's a way of staying in connection with us. We've got a website called Always Loved with a D at the end, .net. I've also got the brochure there. It's the Mimesis Academy. It's an online school that runs for a year. We've been absolutely surprised at what community and fellowship can happen online from all over the world of people who's asking these questions. Um, and, and it's a kind of platform where our purpose is not to pump you full of information, but to draw out your unique voice uh, and your unique understanding of a subject. So the, the program consists of six courses over the period of a year. Every week you get the lesson, a video, and you participate in an online discussion. And once a month we have video conferencing. Because starting to question these ideas and shifting in the way in which we relate to God and others can often be a lonely journey. I'm sure many of you have experienced that already. So this is just another way of facilitating a conversation with people on that same journey. Mary Ann and myself just want to thank you for having us this evening. Thank you um, so much for the invitation. We appreciate it. Um, and your openness for us too. I just felt when I got here, everyone who greeted me here just was ready to engage in conversation. And that's why I had the boldness to throw things out that kind of <laughs> aren't always accepted everywhere. But how boring it would have been if I just told you things that you agreed with already. That would have been boring. Amen. Well, listen, thank you guys very, very much. Uh, We are going to make it possible for you guys to to get access to all this information, but do grab the brochure. Uh, The the school, when when they were describing it to me and I began to understand what their purpose was, it's you and a handful of people raising these questions once a month under the leadership, not to the answers, but to the questions themselves. And, and, And so now you've got a community. So we would love to support that, love to make that available. We'll be sure that information's here. I really want to sow into them. We obviously are going to do that uh, as a church, but if we could, uh, Jason, if you could help me, uh, just run the, we haven't passed the, the pink buckets in a long time, <laughs> but uh, you can also, if you want to write a check, you can write it out to, to uh, Joyland for, for Andre and Marianne, and we'll get that to them. 
Also, you can give on tithely. And then you guys are going to be around because you're going to be up in Fort Collins next week or something. So we'll find some way to connect and get all that to you. But I really just, I, I love the idea of sowing into this. Uh, you know, not only is it lonely, it, 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 it's lonely to ask those questions. It actually is lonely leading a church to ask those questions. Because you just don't know if there's other people out there doing it. And I will never have to suffer that doubt again because of just what we've experienced in the last few days. Uh, I'm just totally thrilled for it. So, Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you so much for this brother and this sister and this part of our family now who uh, themselves have been on the journey that we're on. They have found you to be uh, a, a great one to take delight as we step into that role to co-create with you. Lord, I do rest in the assurance that you've got the beginning and the end covered. But, uh, but you recognize, you know who you built us to be. You know what it means to be, for us to be created in your image. And you're not afraid to release to us the freedom to be co-creators. And so just help us grow into that. And, and isn't that what we see in our children? Isn't that what we delight as we see it progress through lives? Isn't that what happens when a, a young man and a young woman get married? Aren't they creating something new that never existed before? Not just the life of a child, but the decisions they make, the culture they create in their home, and the, and the witness to, to your glory that they become. So I just thank you that, that uh, Andre and Marianne are such stunning examples of that truth and that relationship, and, and we are blessed with what they have deposited and created in us today. So, Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Vicki and I had a little errand to run uh, before church, and we drove down a street we don't normally go down, and there was a church there, and on the church sign it said, Have you glorified God today? And this was just like an hour, two hours ago. And we were commenting on, well, yes, the answer to that is, is yes. And, and it sounded kind of weird at first, but we both said, by our sheer existence, we have glorified God today. And to be able to say that, to be able to say that means you're kind of getting this message. So there was another church sign, and it said, If you fall, Jesus never leaves. L-E-A-V-E-S. <laughs>